This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. The Saint, played by Vincent Price, is just itching to tell you the tale of the corpse that said ouch. Adventures of the Saint, starring Vincent Price. The Saints, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as... The Saint. I'm not home. It's the middle of the night and I'm asleep. I'm in Schenectady, sitting up with a sick ass. Oh. Hello. Hello. Are you Simon Templer? Well, come in and we'll compare social security cards. Thank you. I thought you were in Schenectady. Never heard of the place. Sitting up with a sick ass. She recovered suddenly. Simon... I need help, desperately. Why? Because I'm dead. You're what? Dead. Oh, well, of course, some of my best friends... Simon, my name is Francis Blake. Here, read this. Read? That little item down in the corner, under obituaries. Obituaries. (laughs) Says here that the body of Francis Blake is at the Restwell Chapel... Burial at noon tomorrow. You see, the newspapers say that I'm dead. Yeah, but I don't know whether to believe them or not. You uh, are Francis Blake? Oh, of course I am. Mm. Come here a moment. All right. Thank you. <laughs> now... Simon, what are you... Ouch! I beg your pardon. You... You pinched me. Yes? But... Well, I had to make sure I wasn't dreaming. But you're supposed to pinch yourself if you think you're dreaming. I know, but this way was more fun. (laughs) Also, I never heard a corpse say ouch before. Therefore, you're not dead. I already knew that. I didn't. Now that that's settled, I think perhaps we ought to go visit. Visit whom? Your corpse. Right. Never mind, Louie. Oh, Mr. Templer. Had I have known it was you, I wouldn't have bothered with the whimsy. Had I known it was you, I just wouldn't have bothered. However, Francis... Oh, thank you. 
Louis should perhaps be explained. He's a cab driver I try to avoid. I rarely succeed. Which proves to me that my life isn't all that it should be. Keep it clean. And where at this hour of the night are you going? The Restwell Chapel. Get another cab. Louis. Okay, okay. Some sport. Takes a girl to see a funeral parlor in the middle of the night. I'm merely taking her home. She lives in a funeral parlor? She's dead in a funeral parlor. Who's dead? Miss Blake. Huh? Me. Excuse me, but Louis, I got don't it. take I your hands off gonna... the wheel. I already did. Yes, so? She said, ouch. Personally, I would have liked to find out for myself, but if you say so... I do. I'll take your word for it. Only, how are you going to explain to the funeral parlor her riding around in cabs with you? Simple. I am apparently the kind of a man a girl wouldn't mind being seen dead with. The Restwell Chapel at your service. Mm. Uh, Louis. I know. Wait. But I'm telling you one thing, considering the type of company you're keeping, I ain't waiting till nobody plays no hot licks on a trumpet. I don't think you'll have to. Come along, Francis. All right. I, I've been trying to pretend to myself that it's all some kind of a joke, but that funeral parlor looks too real. Well, we'll find out soon enough. One nice thing about funeral parlors, they're always open. That you call nice? <laughs> she have a point there. Ooh, listen to that doorbell. Chopin, at least. Ah. Uh, I beg your pardon? I said, ah. Uh, ah. Uh. <laughs> Come in, Francis. This is an hour that comes to all. Except in states that don't have daylight saving. I, sir, was referring to your bereavement. Ah. Uh, whom are you mourning? We would like to look at Francis Blake. The hour is late, but grief knows no clock. Good heavens, an epigram. We try, sir. If you'll follow me. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, here we are. And there she is. Beautiful, isn't she? Very. <gasps> Simon... She does look like me. A little bit, but hardly enough to explain. Uh, how did she get here? Miss Blakeman? Mm. The uh, police brought her. Oh, I see. Uh, who identified her? Well, that was hardly necessary. Her coat over there in the corner. Simon! Wait a minute, Francis. What about her coat? It had her name on the label. Now I shall withdraw. You'll want to be alone with your grief. All right, but make a sound withdrawing, please. Uh, so we'll know you're withdrawn? Oh, really, sir, it's no use jesting. The dead never laugh. <laughs> well, he's withdrawn. Simon, that's my coat. It is mine, Simon, but but look. Yes, two holes in the front of it, bullet holes. Bullet holes? The girl here, whoever she is, was, was murdered. Come on, we'd better get out. All right, but I'm taking my coat. I don't think... It's mine, not hers. It belongs to me, even though she was murdered in it. Simon, what was 
that girl doing with my coat? Wearing it when she was shot, presumably. But There's I... another question, perhaps a more important one. Why was she shot in the first place? I suppose she had enemies. Have you? Back again? Yeah, we're back again. Francis. Oh, thank you. The little lady lost her place? Uh, Francis, where do you live? The Thornton Towers. Louis. I heard. Simon, back there. Why did you ask if I had any enemies? The coat's a distinctive one. Well, it's a very colorful plaid. Yes, the girl back at the funeral parlor was murdered while wearing it. The question comes to, was her wearing the coat when she was killed merely a coincidence, or was she killed because her murderer thought she was, uh, you? Here you are, Louie, and... Uh... I know. Don't wait. On account of your sitting up with a dead friend. <laughs> Good night, Louie. Good night. Good night, folks. Oh, Simon, it's so good to be back home. My apartment's down the corridor. Simon, I feel terrible. Oh, you needn't. But what you said in the cab... She was wearing my coat, a very distinctive one. And then she was shot to death. That girl is dead because of me. No, we don't really know that. Well, it must be so. Somebody thought she was me and killed her. Mm, that's possible. But then that means that somebody wants to kill me. Is this your door? Oh, yes. Of course, it's also possible that someone didn't like the coat. And, uh, hey, did you leave your lights on when you left? No. There's a light in the room ahead. Well, that's the living room. You stay here in the hall. I'll go ahead and see who it is. But I... I just want to make sure they're neutral on the subject of plaid coats. Or you. Shh. Oh. Oh. Hello. Hello. Ah, how she was beautiful. Your wife. My what? Your wife. It's her picture on the desk there, no? Well, that does seem to be a picture of Francis. And your name, she is? Uh, my name's Simon. Ah, it is a name that fills herself with the soul, no? No. <laughs> I knew that tonight, of all nights, you would be lonely. Believe me, I'm so not lonely. I... I am here. Oh, your wife, she must have been a wonderful woman. She, uh... Your life with her was the magnificent symphony, no? Mm, chamber music would probably be more accurate if you... And want. now that she is, alas, gone, I am here. Without even a pause for station identification. Look, who are you? I am Olga. Simon, I... Who is she? Olga. Who is she? Francis, and now that you two have met... Waiting uh... a moment, huh? Aha. I look on the picture. I look on the flash. The what? The flash, of which I might adding. Your wife is perhaps carrying a little too much here and there. Especially there. Now, just a minute. Mustn't point, Olga. Bad manners. But I am seeing your wife. She is not dead. She isn't. That is, Francis isn't. If you like, you could try pinching her. I never pinch... Except boys. Oh. Simon, you are disappointing me. Goodbye. 
Well, that was quite a performance. Personally, I didn't care for her cadenza. Oh, I don't know. It was a nice cadenza, and the tootie was definitely fruity. Mm. <laughs> that is, uh, um, uh, Francis, the whole thing was camouflaged. For what? Take a look at the room. The room? Oh! Yes, it looks as if a junior hurricane had visited it. You mean somebody of Olga searched the room? Uh-huh, this one, and, uh... Yeah, the bedroom as well. But, Simon, what was she looking for? I don't know. Whatever it was, she didn't find it. Our entrance stopped her search. Well, I'd better start straightening things up a bit. Good idea. I'll help you. Well, shouldn't you be going home? Oh, I don't think so. You may get some more visitors later on and rougher ones than Olga. Why? Well, maybe they'll tell us if we ask them prettily. In the meanwhile... Yes, Simon? We can practice the overture to that symphony Olga mentioned. Simon. Yes? It's getting awfully late. Yes, I know. We really can't sit up all night waiting for someone to come. We don't even know for sure that someone will. Olga got into this apartment and someone else did before her. Someone else? Of course. Your coat was stolen, wasn't it? Well, I suppose, but not from the apartment, Simon. Not from... Well, where was it stolen from? I can't be sure, of course, but I gave that coat to the cleaning shop down the block about a week ago. Cleaning shop? Mm Mm-hmm. What's the name of it? The Carter Cleaners. Why? Because evidently it started out from there to wind up on a murdered girl's body. Therefore, come on. We're gonna... Yes, believe it or not, I'm taking you to the cleaners. I thought I told you not to wait. This is a free country? Yes, There's a but... parking limit in this here cave, maybe? No, but... I waited. But we're only going down the block a little bit. You can't afford a quarter? I like to walk. Uh, what do you get from walk? Exercise. Uh-huh, and from exercise, an enlarged heart. From an enlarged heart, you know how many people each year drop dead? Add them up. We're walking. Come on, Francis. Simon, you're worried. Moderately, about all those people with enlarged hearts. And uh, this is the place. Huh? Yes, yes. Uh, front door is shut, but there's a light inside. Let's try. It's locked. However, I think someone's coming. Recognize him? Yes, yes. That's Mr. Maxson, the manager. Oh, what do you want? Uh, do you mind if we come in? Look, it may have escaped your attention, but it happens to be after 2 o'clock in the morning. Why do you want to come in? The rain. It's not raining. But suppose it starts I happen to be a very tired man. You should go home earlier. I shouldn't be bothered by drunks. I'm not drunk. We've stopped by for Miss Blake's coat. Coat? The plaid. As I may have mentioned before, we are not open for business. And then what are you doing here? I'm crazy about carbon tetrachloride fumes. I'd still like the coat. Oh, Then please do stop by in the morning. Simon, why did you... I wanted to find out if the cleaning store knew the plaid coat was gone. But we didn't find out, did we? No, nevertheless, we've worried Mr. Maxson. Thank heaven Louie's handy. Hey, hey, Louie! Louie! (laughs) You give up, huh? Yeah. Into the cab, Francis. All right. Well... 
Name your destination, Mr. Templer. A very long trip. Yeah? Drive to the back of the cleaning store. You'll probably have to go around the block. That alley must lead there. Okay. But, Simon, why are we going to the back of the store? Because we're going in? No, because I suspect Mr. Maxon is going out. All this here is maybe none of my business. It isn't. Oh, you know, a remark like that could easily hurt a fellow's feelings. I'm sorry. No, it didn't hurt mine. I'm sorry, still. But you're not spending this PM in the way a PM should be spent. Nonsense. So far, it's all been good, clean fun. That's what I mean. Simon, Mr. Maxson hasn't come out of the store yet. No, he may be coy, however. But why should he have anything to do with anything? He shouldn't, but it's very possible that he has. Simon! Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Maxson is shutting up shop. Coming down the back alley, which confirms something or other. You mean if he weren't hiding something, he wouldn't use the back way? Perhaps. We're far enough away from the alley for him not to notice. Look, he's turning the corner. Louis. I am alert. Not for nothing was I a Boy Scout. Although, actually, what I was a Boy Scout for was a certain Girl Scout. Hold it a minute. He's getting into that... He's a villain. That's a convertible. Everybody knows. Only villains ride around in convertibles. He started. Louis. Here we go. Hey, look. Maxon's stopping. Yeah. I better stop right here, huh? Uh Uh-huh. Simon, he's going into that nightclub. Interesting place for a store manager to finish his evening's work. Let's go, Francis. Uh, leave me know how the floor show is. I'll be sure to. Hmm, Barker's Bandbox. I've heard of the club. Yeah, and I've heard of Barker. Nothing complimentary either. Well, here it is, and in we go. Dark, crowded, and needs ventilation. The floor show? <laughs> Emphasis on show. Simon and Mr. Maxon's over there. Yeah, ducking out of the door near the piano. Let's follow in his shifty footsteps, huh? Gee, I, I hope nobody notices this. With what's going on, or rather coming off, I don't think so. I hit him and he fell down. Jake! Come on. All that could happen to us in here... Jake! ...would be fatal. When they fired at us, huh? I know. It's always a little nervous making. Well, here we are. Thanks, Simon. No, not yet. I'm going in with you. But... No, for safety. Oh. You... You think maybe... I'm just not taking any chances. 
foyer is all right. Living room. Francis. What? Don't look across the room. Olga's back, but this time she's staying. What do you mean? It, <gasps> I, I oh. hope you wouldn't see her. She isn't beautiful anymore. Oh, no. Just dead. I'd better phone the police. Wait, Simon. You know this thing started with Francis Blake being dead. But it wasn't Francis Blake. It was another girl. And then someone else got killed. Olga. Still not Francis Blake. But, Simon, the next time, do you... Do you think maybe it will be? Good night, Lieutenant. Thanks for dropping over. And exit, Olga. Exit, police. Francis. Yes, Simon. You better go to bed. I'll stay on. It's almost morning anyway. Oh, well, I couldn't sleep. Would you like me to uh, fix us some breakfast? Oh, say, that's not a bad idea if you feel up to it. Oh, I don't know how I feel. You stay right where you are. Won't take me more than a few minutes. All right. Hey, that's all the sound you're going to make, sister. The gun's loaded. If you've got ideas about yelling for help, remember this. Bullets get to you quicker than help. Now let's get out of here. By the service door like I come in. But, Simon... And the boyfriend, you write him a letter from where you're going. If you're lucky, sister. And I hope you're lucky. You're too pretty to enjoy dying so quick. Francis, what are you cooking? Steak? <laughs> Francis, I don't intend to oversee your cooking, but... Francis? Francis? Oh, here she is, Mr. Barker. Yeah, nice work, Jack. Hi, I want to know what this is all about. Yeah, I bet you do. You and me both, baby. What'd you do with the stones? The stones? Yeah, yeah, the chorus girl's delight, the old man's charm, the stones. Oh, you mean jewels. I don't have any. Maybe not on you, but you're going to tell us where they are, won't you, baby? Suppose I don't know. I wouldn't care to believe that. Well, you, you'd better start because I don't know. All right. I'll start not believing you. Jake. Yeah? I don't believe her. I don't think she's behaving right. You don't, huh? I don't. Ah, okay, Mr. Barker. What? What are you going to do? I'm going to slap you around a bit. It's going to hurt you more than it hurts me, too. Oh, no, you you can't. Want to bet? Hold it, hold it a minute, Jake. I'll get it. Yeah? Barker? Who are you? Simon Templer. You've got Francis Blake there, haven't you? It's your phone, Joe. You must have. Listen, if you don't hurt her in any way, I'll get you the stones you're looking for. She doesn't know where they are. Matter of fact, where are the stones? The Carter Cleaner's shop. Look, don't hand me that. We've already been through the joint. But you didn't know where to look. Yeah? That could be a deal. Okay. But your girlfriend will be under a gun all the time. First funny move and she gets it. No funny moves. We'll be seeing you. Okay, Jake, we're going visiting. Maybe we'll trade in a babe for the stones. If the stones are handed over. If they ain't, we'll just trade her in. Uh-huh. 
morning, and... Oh. You were here last night. That's right, Mr. Maxson. I was looking for a plaid coat. Plaid? Yes, maybe it would be here on this rack. Oh, it wouldn't be there. You see, this rack is for dresses. And this is for last night. <laughs> Sorry to have upset you, Mr. Maxson, but company's coming, and I've got to set the table for them. No blue uniforms are on Parker, Jake. Okay. Here we go, baby. I can walk by myself. Yeah, I know, I know, but I enjoy your company. Simon! Hello, Francis. You Temple? That's right. Simon, I... Hey, stay next to me, sister. I better just lock the door so we won't be interrupted. All right, where are the stones? Yeah, they're in the place here. They must be. I don't like the sound of that. It could be a stall. What's that? And Mr. Maxson, he fell down while he was pressing some suits or something. Yeah? Get up, Maxson. Come on. What? Uh, oh. oh. Oh, hello, Mr. Barker. Hello, rat. Oh, you you don't have to talk that way, Mr. Barker. I can't help it if the stones were stolen from me. If the woman double-crossed me. This babe here? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you work her over, Mr. Barker, and, and her boyfriend? After all, they're the ones who killed Olga, aren't they? It was a narrow part. Never mind, Olga. I like the kid. I sent her out the job. She got it. Business, you got to cut your losses when you have to. I still want the stones. Are you? They are here. They have to be. Then find them. I've looked, but they're hidden cleverly. I... You sound like a guy up a tree, mister, and in just a couple of seconds, I'm going to cut that tree down. Tree? Hey, wait a minute. Tree? Suppose you wanted to hide a tree so you couldn't find it. Where would you hide it? I ain't interested in hiding trees. You'd hide it in a forest, of course. Therefore, going through the place I noticed... Francis, go through that dress rack. Dress rack? Now find a dress, any dress that doesn't seem to belong. Well, all right. Hey, I don't get it, boss. Who wants to hide a tree? Get up, Jake. Maybe it's that simple. Oh, Simon, I'm not sure what you mean, but this shop is in a pretty expensive neighborhood. All the dresses here are very good ones, except this one. It's quite cheap, covered with cheap rhinestones. Let me have it. Yes, of course, it doesn't belong here. Why is it here? Because it's a forest. Looks like a rag to me, not like a forest. Then suppose you take another look at some of the rhinestones, huh? Let me have it. Hey. Yeah, most of the things sewn on that dress are cheap rhinestones, but among them... Are the genuine stones, the ones we've been looking for. Well, nice work, Maxon. I, 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 I didn't know anything about it. Somebody else must have done the, the frame here. No, no kidding. Wait a minute, Parker, wait, wait, I... I, I... For what? I'm gonna tell you something, Maxon. No, but I... You sure told him. Never did like a double crosser. Hey, yo, where you going? Well, it occurred to me you mightn't like witnesses either. Francis, stay behind me. Hey, what are you... Pressing machines build up quite a lot of steam pressure. I kicked the outlet pipe off and it's aimed at you. You better scram, Barker, unless you want to get parboiled. Hey, it's getting too hot in here. Come on. You're leaving us? Oh, thank God. Yes, Francis, but not for long. And the police won't have much trouble picking them up with them all... Forgive me, but I can't resist it. With them all steamed up. Simon, I'm terribly... 
terribly grateful, but I can't resist... Francis. ...asking you what it was all about. Oh. Oh, an intellectual, huh? <laughs> well, you see, Francis... Maxon and Barker were partners in the jewelry business. Illegitimate. Oh. Uh, they worked out a nice idea. They'd use very distinctive clothes left with a cleaning shop as disguises for themselves and their confederates. Oh. And disguises which couldn't be traced because they'd lead back only to perfectly innocent people who had alibis and everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And the last job they did involved a girl who wore your plaid coat while stealing the jewels. Oh. Maxon, however, decided he wanted all the jewels for himself. So he killed the girl and hid the stones. And Olga? He had to kill Olga because she suspected something wrong and came to this apartment because that's where the plaid coat came from. Mm -hmm. Well, but how did you know that Maxon had killed her? Back in the shop, he said Olga had been killed in this apartment. How did he know that? Because he'd killed her. Oh, Simon, what would I have done without you? <laughs> the question is, what are you going to do with me? You've been listening to another transcribed adventure of the saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. Now here is our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, our cast tonight included Shirley Mitchell, Viola Vaughn, Larry Dobkin, Lou Merrill, Tony Barrett, and Jack Moyles. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at the same time for another exciting adventure of the saint. Good night. is a James L. Safier production and is directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen co-starring in RKO's production of His Kind of Woman. All you Saint fans will be glad to know that the Saint comic books are on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer is Don Stanley. Programs, get your programs here. Tomorrow night, tune here for Nightbeat. Hear the unusual tales uncovered by reporter Randy Stone as he searches Chicago after dark for human interest stories. Tomorrow night and every Monday night, hear Nightbeat. And then stay tuned for the first piano quartet. Next, Sam Spade cuts a caper. Then Rose Bampton sings on NBC. Stay tuned for the Jack Benny Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to hear the story of how an ostrich became the substitute dinner at the Thanksgiving dinner table. The Jell-O program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens the program with It's a Whole New Thing. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the age of research. So we've been doing a little research on the subject of Jell-O. Well, we found out that the best days of the week to serve Jell-O are Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Which is just another way of saying that Jell-O is always, anytime and every time, a perfectly swell dessert. For Jell-O brings you that full extra rich flavor. The flavor is fresh and sunny as the real ripe fruit itself. And all six of Jell-O's famous flavors has the same rich goodness. 
Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. A grand, satisfying flavor that has made Jell-O America's favorite gelatin dessert. And you like Jell-O's gay, appetizing appearance, too. It's shimmering, jewel-like colors that make it look so inviting. So enjoy some tomorrow. Just be sure to get genuine Jell-O and don't accept any substitutes. Look for those big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O. It's a whole new thing played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, once again we bring you our master of ceremonies. That bubbling personality, that effervescent comedian, that fizz, Jack Benny. Hello again, this is Jack Benny, the carbonated kid talking. And, Don, I like that introduction. It fits me to a T. I am bubbling and effervescent. The fizz, you can have that. Well, Jack, let me explain. When I called you a fizz, it was really a compliment. I meant you were physical. Mm-hmm. You know, a fizz for short. I understand, Don, perfectly. In other words, if you called me a mug, you'd really mean I was magnificent. Is that it? Exactly. Well, Don, if you think I fell for that, you're a fathead and that short for your whole body. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Don, uh, let's not get into a routine because uh, I know how you appreciate a good story. And I heard a gag a few minutes ago that will positively put every one of your chins in motion. Sorry, it's a honey. It's a good one, huh? Well, Virgil, the sound man, told it to me, and you know what a clown he is. Get this, Don. <laughs> Don, I... Don, I haven't even told you the story yet. What are you laughing at? <laughs> is it the one about the nearsighted old maid that buried the midget? No, heavens, no, Don. Heavens, not that one. Uh, this is a brand new story. Get this. There was a fellow walking down the street, and he was leading a pink alligator on a leaf. When all of a sudden, it started to act up and snap at him. Uh-huh. So the guy got annoyed, turned around to this pink alligator, and said, You better behave yourself, or I'll take a bromo seltzer, and that'll be the end of you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, isn't that terrific, Don? <laughs> oh, it sure is. That Virgil has a great sense of humor. Yes, yeah, that was a funny story, Mr. Benny. Oh, Dennis, I didn't see it. Did you like it? Yeah. But there's one thing that puzzles me. What? If the man was walking down the street, where did he get the bromo seltzer? Well, I don't know. He probably had a box of it in his pocket. Oh. Then I guess he had a glass of water in his other pocket. Yes, Dennis, and a banjo on his knee. <laughs> now, don't worry about it. Say, so you're here kind of early tonight, uh, Dennis. Where's your mother? She's across the street in the bowling alley. In the bowling alley? Well, with her legs, she better watch out. <laughs> Anyway, Dennis, I'm glad you're here on time tonight, and I'll try and make a habit of it. <laughs> you know, Jack, I can't get over that story you told me. It's silly, but I get a great kick out of it. Isn't it ridiculous? Yeah. <laughs> oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. What's so funny? Mary, I must tell you. Did you hear the story about the fellow that was walking down the street eating a pink alligator on a leash? Is that the one where the man said, I'll take a bromo seltzer and that'll be the end of you? Yes. No, tell it to me. Well, <laughs> this guy was... Wait, you just told me the answer. I thought you said you never heard it. Oh, stop, Jack. That's one of the oldest jokes in the world. Mary, jokes happen to be my business. And if that was the oldest joke in the world, I'd be the first one to know it. 
Should I let him have it, folks? <laughs> Never mind. Do me a favor, will you, Mary? Go out and come back in again. Well, gee, Jack, as long as you're telling jokes, why don't you tell a good one? I heard a gag last night that was terrific. Oh, you did, eh? Yeah. A man walked into the house and said to his wife, it's raining cats and dogs outside. Uh-huh. And she said, how do you know? Mm-hmm. And he said, I, I just stepped in a poodle. poodle. <laughs> I know where you heard that, Mary, at the Wilshire Bowl. Bill Harris has been husking that for three years. <laughs> That's his theme, Joe. You know, Don, Phil's idea of humor is really pitiful. Oh, I don't know about that, Jack. I was at the bowl one night, and the people screamed at him. Sure they scream at him. Every time he finishes a gag, he has a waiter throw a custard pie in his face. <laughs> That's why. I didn't see anybody do that. Oh, well, you must have been their bucket of water night. <laughs> That's his idea of changing material. Well, I'll say one thing about Phil. He sure attracts the young collegiate crowd. All the college boys go there. They have to go there, Mary. That's part of their initiation. <laughs> Before they can join a fraternity, they have to either listen to Harris or sleep all night in a graveyard. In a graveyard? Yes, and you'll be surprised at the number of kids around here that aren't afraid of ghosts. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, Jack, Phil sure believes in that college spirit. Look at that sign on the bass drum. Oh, yeah. Phil Harris and his collegians. Look, he spells collegians with one L. Well, he spells Phil with two, so it's all even. You know, Mary, sometimes I think that Phil... Jiggers, here he comes now. Don't jiggers me. <laughs> now, hello, Phil. Hiya, Jackson. What's going on? Well, to tell the truth, Phil, for the last five minutes, we've been talking about you. Well, a little build-up ain't never hurt nobody. No, Phil, and never done you no good, either. <laughs> <laughs> Your grammar is worse than Abe Lyman's, and he never got beyond block. <laughs> Who cares about grammar? I got other things to worry about. Oh, I can imagine. Say, Phil, uh, I noticed that new sign you got on the bass drum. What happened to that corny painting you used to have there? Corny? Yeah, you know, the one with the yellow moon and the green river and the purple trees. Remember that one, Mary? Yeah, he used to call it Gypsy Doodle by Rembrandt. That's the one. Whatever happened to that painting, Phil? I sold it to the Metropolitan Museum in New York. You mean the Museum of Fine Art? I don't know what they got there, but that's the joint that bought it. <laughs> Phil, are you crazy? Crazy nothing. Someday that picture will be hanging in Paris, right next to the Mona Lulu. <laughs> well, I'm not going to even bother to correct that. <laughs> How do you like that, Mary? The most famous painting of a woman in the world, and Phil doesn't even know her name. If you were alive, he'd know her name and phone number. <laughs> And her address and what she's doing on Friday night. <laughs> well, I got myself on a detour for no reason at all. And besides... Hey, Jack, why don't you tell Phil that story of the sound man told you? He'll get a kick out of it. Oh, he wouldn't even get it. Come on, Jackson, what is it? Let's hear it. All right, Phil. Do you know the one about the fellow who was walking down the street and his pink alligator snapped at him? Know it. I'm the guy that drank the bromo. <laughs> there you are, fellas. He's always got a brilliant comeback, even if he has to make a bum out of himself. <laughs> oh, Dennis. Yes, please? Uh, how about a, how about a song before we get involved again? Okay, Mr. Benny. I'm gonna sing an old favorite by Stephen Foster called Jeannie with the Light Brown Hair. Oh, that's well, Dennis. I, I love those old songs. Old songs, old gags. What this program needs is glands. <laughs> Mr. 
Mary, you just attend to your own little knitting. I'll handle the show. Sing, Dennis. The guy that drank the bromo. <laughs> sung by Dennis Day. And Dennis, those old songs always do something to me. I love them. Me too. Jeannie with the light brown hair. What a grand title. You know, Dennis, uh, I used to have light brown hair in my hair. Why, Jack, from the pictures I've seen of you, I thought you had black hair. No, Don, it was brown. Uh, sort of a russet brown. You know, just like the leaves in autumn. Well, rake them up and let's get on with the show. <laughs> Mary, I wish you'd stop with those interruptions. <laughs> anyway, Dennis, uh, Dennis, I noticed another thing. Your singing seems to improve every week. You're gaining poise and confidence. Well, thanks, Mr. Benny. Just think, this is your seventh week on my program. Seven weeks. Gee, 
Yes, sir. Am I going to get paid pretty soon? <laughs> pretty soon, Dennis. And now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are going to... Hey, Jackson, why don't you pay the kid? Bill, I intend to pay him. I'm merely holding his salary until he's a little older. I'm teaching Dennis how to save money. Well, he's learning from the top man. Thanks, Miss Livingston. And if I were you, I wouldn't say another word unless you rube it up on the Lum and Abner program. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, tonight we are going oh, to... Oh, here you are, Dennis. Did you sing your song yet? Yes, Mother. Well, uh, good evening, Mrs. Day. Good evening. Hmm. Oh, Mother, you should have been here a few minutes ago. Mr. Benny told the funniest joke. It was rather good. Tell it to her, Dennis. Well, Mr. Benny was walking down the street leading a pink alligator. Oh, dude, eh? <laughs> dude, it wasn't me, Mrs. Day. Dennis got the story all wrong. I never touch a drop of liquor. Then why have you got that red nose? Because I'm a comedian. What do you think? <laughs> My tie lights up, too. This story, Mrs. Day, is about a man who takes a bromo seltzer and gets rid of a pink alligator. What's funny about that? Nothing. It's very sad. I'm crying like anything. <laughs> oh, what a dame. What's that? I said, oh, what a dame. I saw UCLA play Santa Clara yesterday. <laughs> it was thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> And now, ladies and gentlemen, if you will please forgive my outburst, <laughs> as I started to announce, tonight we are going to offer an original little playlet all about Thanksgiving, written especially for the occasion by Mary Livingston. Uh, Mary, let me have it, will you? Oh, Jack, I forgot to tell you. What? I changed my mind about a Thanksgiving play, and I wrote a poem instead. A poem? Hey, Mary, you mean to say we're not going to do a Thanksgiving play? No. Gee, and I was all set to be one of them pilgrims. Oh, fine. You'd make a great pilgrim, Phil. Well, I would. Listen, buddy, my ancestors came over on the Mayflower. Oh, did it dock in Dixie? <laughs> I thought your family always lived in Tennessee. Not originally. You see, we migrated from Massachusetts. <laughs> migrated? You don't by any chance mean you migrated. All right, we move. Forget it. Migratated. You hear that, Mary? Yeah, he put in an extra syllable in it. <laughs> You're not paluling. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, before we get out of the mood, let me say a few words about Jalello. Jalello? <laughs> it is economical, easy to make, and comes in six delicious flavors. So look for the big red letters on the baraque. Thanks, Don. You surveyed the day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as we have no Thanksgiving play... Mary Livingston's going to read a Thanksgiving poem. Oh, no. Nothing doing. Oh, gee, it's swell, Jack. I don't care. You're not going to read it. Jack, Benny, you let me read this poem or I won't buy my Christmas card from you this year. A lot I make on the ones you get. You don't even have your name printed on them. <laughs> now go ahead with your poem. Okay. What's the title of it? The title is Thanksgiving. You're a little mixed up, aren't you, kid? <laughs> well, that fits. Go ahead. <clears throat> <clears throat> Oh, Thanksgiving, oh, Thanksgiving, you are with us twice this year. 
with your pumpkin pie and dressing and your turkey front and rear. That's the part I always get. <laughs> the pilgrims planned in days of yore that you'd come once, not anymore. But now you are a double feature, and we don't know which day to greet you. Greet you? That's what I said, you gorgeous creature. Now, don't be funny. Go ahead with the poem. Suppose we had two everything, two New Year's Eve to laugh and sing, two Christmases, two Labor Days, and two Jack Bennies with two toupees. <laughs> Mary, you're too, too pressing. Are you through? No, but I'm coming into the stretch. Oh. So Thanksgiving, I don't mind. Yeah. If you're a week before or a week behind. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference? What's the heck? The turkey's the guy that gets it in the neck. The end. Very good. Mary, that was silly, but you came through with flying colors. And now, Phil, how about a number to kind of break things up here? Okay, Jackson, what do you want us to play? Anything special? Well? You name it, and we'll play it. All right, how about that n number you rehearsed all morning? You know, the only one you can possibly play. Oh, okay, hit it, boys. He asked for request yet. Hold it a minute, Phil. Come in. Mr. Benny? Yes? Are you a little mixed up on account of the two Thanksgivings this year? Yes, I am. Why? I was in a fog when we only had one. Goodbye. <laughs> He's not kidding, folks. He's got his shoes on backwards. Play, Phil.
Willie Bean, a swing version of an old favorite played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. And now, fellas... Hey, what's the matter? Aren't you going to complain about the number we just played? No, Phil, I thought it was pretty good. I liked it, didn't you, Mary? Yeah, it was well. Did you like it, Don? I thought it was okay. How'd you like it, Jack? Oh, it was great. How'd you like Phil's number, Mary? Well, I thought it was a little loud in spots, didn't you, Don? Yes, it seemed a little off here and there. What did you think of it, Jack? I thought it was lousy. (laughs) (laughs) And now, fellas... Hey, what is this, a rib? Yes, Phil, we were just kidding. I thought your number sounded exceptionally good. Didn't you, Mary? Feel me out. I'm tired. (laughs) Now, fellas, as I started to say a little while ago, and before I forget it, uh, Thursday being Thanksgiving, I want all of you to come over to my house for a real old-fashioned turkey dinner. How about it? Oh, that's great, Jack. Dennis, Dennis, this invitation goes for you also. His mother, too? Yes, Mrs. A. My party wouldn't be complete without you. You don't sound very sincere about it. Well, what do you want me to do? Send you a mash note? (laughs) Glad to have you. The more, the merrier. Good heavens. Say, Jack, is this party going to be like the one you gave last Thanksgiving? What do you mean? I mean, is the turkey going to be leg of lamb? Don't worry about that, Mary. This is going to be a real dinner. I've got the biggest, fattest, juiciest turkey you ever saw. Where'd you run over it? (laughs) I didn't run over it. It's a live turkey. I got it in my garage right now. It's roosting on my Maxwell. That's that's all that car needs. Now, you wait till you see that, bird. I better weigh 65 pounds. 65 pounds? Why, Jack, you must be mistaken about that. Oh, no, I'm not, Don. I had it on the scales. It's an enormous thing. 65 pounds? Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. Wait till next Thursday and you'll see for yourself. It's going to be a swell party. How many people are you expecting, Jack? Well, there'll be our gang, and then I invited Clark Gable and Carol Lombard, Bob Taylor and Barbara Stanwyck, Tyrone Power and Annabella. Oh, Jack, you always ask them to every party you give, and they never show up. Well? Why don't you stop inviting them? I can't stop now. They'll think I'm mad at them. <laughs> you know how it is. How can they be mad at you when they don't even know them? I don't even know them? Listen, Phil, I know every one of those stars personally. Sure, Jack tells them their Christmas cards. <laughs> Mary, will you stop harping on that? The only reason you ever got cards from me is because I happen to have some left over. Every year. Oh, quiet. <laughs> now, don't forget, fellas, Thursday night at my house. Oh, we're going to have Jack. Boy, we're going to have a big turkey and cranberry sauce and mashed potatoes. And Don, guess what kind of jello we're going to have for dessert? Strawberry? No. Raspberry? No. Cherry? No. Orange? No. Lemon? No. Give up? Yes. Lie. (laughs) You see, Don, you almost had it. There's a kindergarten commercial if I ever heard one. (laughs) Never mind, that's what we're going to have. Now look, kids, if I don't see you again before Thanksgiving, be sure and be at my house by 7 o'clock sharp. And don't eat a big lunch so you'll uh, really enjoy the turkey. I'll take it. Hello? Hello, Mr. Penny, this is Rochester. All right, what do you want? Well, boss, I just heard you talking about a big Thanksgiving party Thursday night. That's my night off. I'm sorry, Rochester, but you'll have to work. You can take a day off some other time. I can get my twin brother to take my place. I don't want your twin brother. Well, he looks just like me. I don't care if he did. I want you to be at my house on Thursday night. How about me and Spirit and my brother in person? Rochester, don't try any tricks. I can tell the difference between you and your twin brother. That's more than a gal can. (laughs) 
Never mind. Now, look, Rochester, I want you to get that turkey up to 70 pounds by Thanksgiving to go out in the garage and feed it. I'm working on a Christmas card. They can wait. <laughs> now, go out in the garage and feed the turkey. Okay. Oh, say, boss, I meant to ask you something about that bird. Are you sure it's a turkey? <laughs> what do you mean, am I sure it's a turkey? Well, I went out in the garage a few minutes ago and she laid an egg as big as a cantaloupe. As big as a cantaloupe? What are you talking about? Not only that, but every time I go in there, she sticks her head in a bucket of sand. <laughs> what? Boss, you bought an ostrich. I bought an ostrich? That's right. You just ate the headlights off your car. The headlights? How do you know? She had two Adam's apples, and they were going down fast. <laughs> It's all your fault, Rochester. You were with me when I went shopping for a turkey. Why did you let me buy an ostrich? I told you it was a pretty big bird for the money, but you know you. <laughs> well, I guess there's nothing we can do about it now. Isn't that awful? I got a polar bear in the guest room and an ostrich in the garage. And mice in the pantry. Let's move out. <laughs> Now, don't get panicky, Rochester. I'll be home in a few minutes. Meanwhile, call up the market and order a turkey. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, boss. What? Have you changed your mind about using my twin brother Thursday night? No, I haven't. Well, I'll, I'll figure out something. Goodbye. Wait a minute. Rochester! Rochester! Well, I'll be darned. What's the matter, Jack? Plenty. That big turkey I bought turned out to be an ostrich. Oh, boy. You're going to be lonesome on Thanksgiving. I am not. Now, Mary, don't worry. We're going to have a swell dinner. Play, Phil. I wonder if you can eat an ostrich. I don't know. Jello series, and we will be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. Now, don't forget, Mary, next Thursday night at my house for a real Thanksgiving dinner. Count me out, Jack. Now, wait a minute. I'm not going to serve that ostrich. I'm going to have a turkey. Oh, you are, eh? Yes. Well, if I find a headlight in the dressing, watch out. Oh, don't worry. Good night, folks, and a happy Thanksgiving. Every Tuesday night, the Aldrich family is on the air, starring Ezra Stone as Henry Aldrich, that lovable hard luck kid. Consult your local newspaper or radio guide for time and stations, and be sure to tune in on the Aldrich family next Tuesday night. Bluebirds in the Moonlight is from Gulliver's Travels. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Sealed Book, followed by Red Skelton. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for Ziggy and Stardust next on Zuma Radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. <laughs>
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.